beginning. I had come here 17 years ago, a few months after I got married. And uh, I got married in 2002. And, uh, and today I've been asked to speak on uh, prayer by Brother Lincoln on 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Uh, verse 17. We all of us know that scripture very well. Huh? Pray without ceasing. Uh, and so as I was praying, I was wondering what to pray. Well, how can I share about this prayer without ceasing? And I, I was thinking of my life. You know, I grew up in a good Catholic family where by the time I was five years old, I knew all my prayers. Our Father, Hail Mary, I believe. I knew to say all the prayers. Most of you I'm sure we're the same. By the time you were five or six, you knew to say all the prayers. But I knew to say all the prayers, but I didn't know to pray. I could say all the prayers by heart. I knew them. And, but I didn't know what prayer was. And there was nobody to tell us. In those days, we thought saying the prayers, mouthing them was prayer. But now I'm sure all of you, you know what prayer is. You know that there are so many parts to prayer. It's so vibrant. It's so uh, engaging. It draws us. Because we get life from prayer. All of us have experienced that. And I, I, like many of you, I'm sure, I went for a Life in the Spirit seminar where I got a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I didn't know I had got the baptism in the Holy Spirit because people began to pray in tongues there and I didn't get anything. So I went home and I was sitting through the night and I couldn't sleep. And I felt the urge to take out the Bible and I began to read. And uh, as I was reading, things began to bubble up in my heart and these words began to come out and I got a gift of tongues and I sat the whole night reading the Bible and hunger was birthed in me for the word of God. Uh, and sometime later I went for another retreat where I had a, another a tremendous amazing experience of a baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire that John talked about and uh, I got a baptism of fire where my, my whole body, I felt like I was in a, in a furnace burning and for about an hour and a half, I, there was sweat rolling down my body. And I, I began to understand what was prayer. Through teachings in the prayer group, through teachings from others, I learned that prayer has so many different parts. You know, uh, Psalm 100 was what we were taught, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter his courts with praise. So when you start your personal prayer, begin with thanksgiving and then praise and then repentance and then go into uh, awareness of God, asking him to fill you with the Holy Spirit and listen. So I learned these formulas of prayers like all of y'all. And my prayer life became very vibrant because uh, I, I understood how much Jesus loved me. Because I had been an alcoholic. I drank, smoked cigarettes, used drugs for about 22, 23 years. And when I say drugs, I mean hardcore drugs. I was a heroin addict for about 18 years. So uh, God touched me, delivered me from all these things. Uh, I lived a, a really dissipated life, a sinful life. And God took me out of all that and brought me to himself. And uh, about that time, in the year 2000, um, I had an aunt who used to work with a team that Brother Simon used to work with. And she got, got me to come and live with them. They graciously kept me with them for about four or five months. And there I was built up in the word. And I understood the importance of the word. Uh, there was a hunger in me for the word. And I, I, I was there. And during that time, sometime around this month, only February or March, uh, one day Brother Simon had come from Bangalore to Hyderabad for one of the programs we were doing with the youth. And he, in the middle of the programs, he called me and said, Charles, God wants you to get married. And that was 2000. So I was uh, 
I was 41 years old then. And I, I said, I just smiled at him. I didn't say anything. I smiled at him. I said, this man doesn't know half of my life, and he's telling me to get married. Where I come from, nobody will want to marry me. <laughs> you know, and uh, I just smiled at him. I said, yes, yes, brother, no problem. Uh, and I, and after five months, <laughs> after five months, I went back to, to, to Goa. The team told me that I need to go back to my own home and be there. And it was something very difficult because I have two younger brothers. At that time, both were addicts also. And they were, I had to live in the house with two addicts. They used to drink, smoke cigarettes. And it was, I never imagined that I could live without, in an environment where there's so much of drug abuse. But that's where I began to experience the power of my prayer life, the personal prayer life. How much God guards us and defends us when we begin to take our, our prayer commitment to him seriously. When we are really coming there out of love for him, not out of a sense of misplaced duty and I need to pray because oh, I'm the charismatic and if some of the elders ask me, are you doing your personal prayer pro regularly? I need to say yes. No, no, it has to come from your heart. And that's where I learned the, the importance of being regular in my and committed to my personal prayer. My survival depended on it. For me, it was a question of live or die. Because I knew if I got back into drugs, I would not live. I would not live. I would have died. Most of my friends who started out college with me in 1975 at the age of 15 and a half, 16, most of them died of overdoses or driving bikes, having accidents while they were under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Most of them died. Very few are alive. Three, two, maybe three. That's all. Uh, the rest all died through overdoses. So I was praying in my personal prayer and uh, I had forgotten about what Brother Simon had said of course because I didn't take it seriously and one day in my prayer one of, that was one of the first times I heard God speaking to me and he said Charles you need to get married and I no 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 Lord I'll do anything I'll go to China I'll die for you but you know I, I, you know, who's going to marry me you know and he says Charles you, if you're not going to live for me how are you going to die for me you know you, don't talk nonsense you, you need to get married so I said God who will marry me? In my place, everybody knows this guy who was with long hair, like a hippie, playing in the hotels, performing, and living a very... Nobody, no decent person want to marry me. Lord, I wouldn't want to marry me. <laughs> so, so that's, you know, that's about the, the long and short. And God said, I want you to get married. So, you know, uh, all of you must be familiar with the story of Jacob, you know. In Genesis 28, he had... Jacob, his name means deceiver. He had cheated his brother, robbed his inheritance, robbed the blessing finally, and then he's running away. He's running away to his mother's people because he's scared his brother is going to beat him and kill him. And he's running away, and on the way, he sleeps at a place, and there he gets a dream. He sees uh, a staircase, an angel ascending and descending, and he sees the God standing at the staircase, and God tells him, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to increase you. And I will bring you safely back to your, your father's land. And when he make, wakes up in the morning, he says, this is a terrific place. I never knew that God was in. This is the gate of heaven. This is Bethel, the house of God. And then, do you remember what he says to God? Huh? God has told him this in his dream. But when he gets up, he tells God, listen, God, if you will take care of me, if you will prosper me, if you will look after me and bring me safely back to my father, then you will be my God. Otherwise, no. God has already told him he's going to do these things, he's going to bless him. But Jacob is, 
not a trusting person. He's not a believing person. And I was like that. When God told me in my prayer time, you got to get married. So I said, okay, I'll get married. But I have conditions just like Jacob. You know, I, I was a swindler, cheater, con man, all these things, just like Jacob. I said, all right, I have some conditions. I'll get married. No problem. But I have some conditions. The first condition is the, the woman you want me to marry, you have to make sure she loves you more than she will love me. Because I am so, I, I was, and I still am madly in love with Jesus. Can you tell? Can you make up? And it's, you know, year by year, it's getting worse. What to do? <laughs> I'm glad about that. I, I don't want it to get better. I want it to get worse. I want to fall more and more madly in love with Jesus. And this, uh, so I said, that's the first condition. She must love you more than she loves me. Because otherwise, I will want to sit at home, read the Bible, listen to some talk. She'll say, let's go shopping. Let's go here. And then there'll be fights, or unhappiness. One will be unhappy. So that's the first. Second condition. She must allow me to come out like this when I want to go out to preach the word, want to do ministry. Otherwise, she'll say, you married me and now you are dancing around all over the country. You, you are supposed to be here with me. Where are you going? So I said, yes, my wife should be allowing me to go out wherever. Wherever you call me, I will always ask her. If she says no, I will not go. So you make sure if you want me to do your work, that she should allow me to go. Third condition I said is that, I want someone who plays the keyboard. You know, I play the guitar and I need someone who will play so we can take praise and worship together. And, you know, I was actually trying to make it hard for God. Is there anything hard for God? You know, I, I was just new that time. I didn't know much about God. I'm learning. I'm in love with him. But, you know, I, I'm stumbling along like Jacob. And then I said, okay, God, I have another two conditions. One more condition. The fourth condition says, I'm 41 years old. So, you know, I... I I, I was always very shy, not outgoing with girls. So I said, whoever this girl is that you want me to marry this woman, you have to bring her into my life. You have to show me who she is. You have to tell me this is the one. And you have to speak to her and tell her that she's supposed to marry me. Because I will go and tell her, this is my life story. God told me you're supposed to marry me. And you better prepare her for the shock she's going to get. And then, then the fifth one, I said, this is going to be hard for God. I said, no, I, I go to Himachal and there... Sometimes people have to walk five, six hours before they come to a road, then travel by car or bus another two, three hours to get medical attention. So my wife should be a doctor. When we go there to preach the word, you know, they, we can even minister to them health. And, all. and I'm thinking, no, no doctor in their right mind will want to marry me. Uh, uh, thank God she's not in her right mind. She's madly in love with Jesus also. So I put these five conditions and every day I pray, Lord, wherever they are, bring them into my life. Prepare their heart to receive me. Prepare my heart to receive them. I have no other conditions. No other conditions. I don't care what they look like. Anything. Sorry? I put a lot of conditions. Five conditions. Like Jacob. No, if, if you take me safely, if you prosper me, if you look after me, if you multiply me, make me rich, if you bring me back, then I will be your, you will be my God and I will be your people. So I did the same thing. And... Uh, for about a month, I prayed this. And then I said, God, ball is in your court. It's over now. I'm not going to say anything more about this. Uh, and I, there was no answer from heaven. So I said, uh, he understood now huh? How, what a difficult problem it is. <laughs> Sorry. So 2000 passed. And I was very involved in a prayer group, which I'm still involved in, Mapsa prayer group. It's, one of, it's the, perhaps the biggest English prayer group in the whole of Goa. And... I was involved there. I used to help them with the worship, uh, uh, playing for the worship ministry. We have a beautiful, wonderful keyboardist there, and a lot of people who sing very well. And 
So they asked me to join them, and I used to I joined them, and I used to teach them a lot of songs that I knew, uh, worship songs, worship him, and during that time the the co-group came to me one day and asked me, you know, we meet once a week for prayer and for studying the word. No? So will you join us also? You can help us with worship and, you know, join in the word discussion. Because I was very passionately in love with the word of God. I love to study, love to read the word. So I said, yes, sure. I was very happy that I'm getting a chance to meet, have another meeting. I had already cut down my work. I used to work in the hotel and I had cut my work to only four days a week because uh, I, I, I wanted to go for as many meetings as I could. I needed, I, I realized, I need Jesus. I need him. If not, I'm going to sink. I'm going to die. I'm going to go get get caught into sin again. And it was, uh, for me, it was desperation. I, I don't want to go back to the person I was. God, you know what a wretch I am. I need you. I really need you. And today, I, I know I need him more than ever. More than ever. And I, I'm sure all of you have had this experience. As you grow closer to him, you realize how much you need him. That without him, Really, as he says, we can do nothing. Nothing. It's absolutely impossible for us to do nothing. Anything without him. And so I, I was there going for this meeting. And my eyes began to give me trouble. I couldn't read the Bible. I was now 41, almost getting on to 42. And my dad noticed that. He said, no, here's one small card. You go and see this uh, doctor. She's very good. And very good eye specialist. He charges very little bit. I went there to this clinic and when I went in I was shocked to see that the person who was the eye specialist was the leader of the prayer group I just knew her as the leader of the prayer group I didn't even know her name uh, because I used to go I told you I was very shy I didn't talk to girls I, I, I very very shy where girls were concerned uh, all my life girls always made the first move with me because I, I, I am shy uh, it's, it's very difficult for me to, to break the ice with women and all so I, I went to I went to, to her, she checked my eyes, and I was very happy because she didn't charge me. You know, being a prayer group member, <laughs> I got free treatment. <laughs> I got free treatment. I still get free treatment. <laughs> because that's my wife now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I went to her, and she checked my eyes. I got glasses, and I, 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 I used to go for this meeting in this, this man, a wonderful man of God. His name is Leroy, he and his wife. They were, they, three, they have three children who are now grown up and they were really struggling at that time. And yet in spite of that, every week when we had the meeting there, they would cook dinner for all of us, six of the co-members and I was the seventh one coming every week, his wife and he would prepare dinner for us and we would, we would have dinner after the prayer. And we used to sit on the ground because uh, they didn't have furniture in the house. So there were just some mats and cushions and we would sit on the ground in the hall all around the walls and we would have worship and so one of these days when I was there this was now uh, 2000, 2002 no 2001 2001 around August uh, one day while we were I was leading the worship uh, in the time of uh, silence the Lord told me open your eyes so I opened my eyes and opposite was Grace was sitting and the Lord told me that's the one you have to marry I quickly closed my eyes <laughs> I said, I said, and I, I, yeah, uh, I quickly, believe me, it's the truth. I still remember that I closed my eyes quickly. And the moment the, the worship, the word session was over, I didn't stay for food that day because that thing was keeping on playing. I, got, I said, no, no, I have to go. I got up and I ran away from there. And this thing was in me for two or three days. 
that's the one you have to marry, you have to marry. I said, no, 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 no. You know, that was in 2000, 2001 is here now. It's almost end of 2000. Why, why are you bringing up this old story that is finished, closed chapter? So you said you will talk to her. No, I will speak to her. You go and you talk. That was a big problem now. Uh, to go and approach someone and tell them, God has told me you're supposed to marry me. <laughs> you know, now I put myself in such a predicament, but the Lord was asking me, you said, you go and you talk. I went and I spoke to her, and she looked at me and said, no. I, I decided that I, I, I have decided to be single for Jesus. If I wanted to get married, I would get married to a man like you. I said, Lord, you know, she's rejecting me. And you know, what is going to feel now? This matter is closed. She said, no. She said, no. Understood? And I'm beside her feeling embarrassed, you know. And she says, you know, but I'm going for a retreat. And at the retreat, I will pray. If God speaks to me, I'll tell you. So I got up quickly, went off from there, feeling very embarrassed, mortified, feeling rejected. I walked away. And I went home. And, I, and I'm fuming, you know. God, you know, you humiliated me. And In Goa, the, all the leaders of Every prayer group meet once a year for what they call a leaders camp, a three-day or five-day retreat for the leaders. And that year they asked me, I was not in the core team, but they asked me to come and help the worship team to lead worship. You know? So I landed up there. And the retreat was being conducted by Father Fio Mascarin. I don't know if any of you know him. A wonderful man of God. And the theme was what John Paul had declared at that time for the, the year, for the church, open the doors to the Redeemer. Some of you may remember that proclamation that he opened the doors to the Redeemer. And so Father Fio was supposed to give the talk. So after the worship, uh, we all sat down there. And I was surprised to see Grace sitting on the first row with them. Upside. And I realized, okay, she's the leader of the prayer group, so she'll be here. And Father Fio did something very strange. He came up, then he, he stood with about 350 or so people there. And he asked a strange question. He said, how many of you are not married? Please stand up. More than half the crowd stood up. Uh, yeah, and then he said, he said something even more strange. He says, you don't know what a big blessing you're missing? Get married soon, sit down. <laughs> and that was it. He, he didn't say anything more about marriage, you know, for the rest of the five days of the retreat. He carried on, on opened the doors to the Redeemer. The retreat was over, and I went home. Uh, but this thing was playing in my mind. I said, God, are you, are you playing games with me? You know, and sure enough, some days after the, the retreat, uh, Grace caught hold of me at the prayer. I used to try to avoid her, you know. I was feeling so embarrassed after she told me. <laughs> I used to avoid her. At the moment the prayer meeting over, pack up my guitar and run off home. And she got hold of me and said, I need to speak to you. Come to my, come to my clinic. So I went to her clinic. And there she tells me, no, I prayed in the retreat and God told me I'm supposed to marry you. I almost fell off the chair. <laughs> really. I didn't expect her. My wife is an eye surgeon. She's highly educated, brilliant. I said, you're going to marry me? I'm thinking to myself. And she said, no, but. I said, ah, there's a catch. See, I told you, Lord, no, there's a catch. But I'm going for one more retreat. I want to confirm it. And I will then get back to you. And so she went for another retreat conducted by Father Jose, Vetti uncle. She did a discernment there. And the long and short of it is that God told her to get married. And now we are married for 17 years. Praise God. So, so God speaks to us in a, God speaks to us in prayer and for me of late you know you you know you all know the different types of prayer that we have intercession supplication uh, praise worship uh, all these things you know the different kinds of prayer but uh, for me god has been speaking to me of late and telling me that prayer 
prayer is an invitation from him. It starts with him, starts with his heart longing for me and calling me to come and not just present my needs to him, not just to come and praise him, to worship him, to thank him, but to have an encounter with him. To have an encounter with the living God. This is what prayer is all about. The, the, the first stage, you know, then he, he told me this, as I was preparing today, he told me in the morning, he said, you know, most people, we just stick with Psalm 100. I enter his gates with thanksgiving, I enter his courts with praise, and then I'm stuck there, making my supplication and all, and I'm not drawing near to encounter the living God. Prayer is meant to be a place where I come face to face with God. I said, God, you show me something from the Bible. If I have to talk to the people in here, show me from there. We, we turn to Exodus chapter 3. You know the story. Moses was on the backside of the desert. Not just the desert. He was in the backside of the worst place you can be. And so if you are going through a rough time in your life, understand it's the time where God is preparing to come and encounter you. He's allowed you to reach this place in your life so that he can meet with you. Moses had tried to take his life in his own hands and to become someone great. And it ended in his banishment into the desert, in the backside of the desert, and there God comes to meet him in a burning bush. We know that story. And God tells him, Moses, Moses, and he, let me turn around aside and see this side. And God tells him, take off your shoes. When we have an encounter with God, the way that we've been walking in our lives, the things that we've been doing, God will make us leave those things behind. We're going to walk in a different way. You know, Jacob had an encounter with God. He wrestled with the angel whole night. He began to walk differently. He was limping. Don't worry, you won't limp when you have your encounter with God, but you will walk a different life. The encounter with God will change you. you know, Hebrews 12, 29 says, Our God is a consuming fire. Everything in you that is not of him will get burnt up. When you meet this God of fire, everything in you that's not of him, he will burn it up. You don't have to struggle with your brokenness, with your sinfulness. He is the consuming fire. He will burn up everything that's not come from him. All you have to do is surrender to him. Allow him to do it. Believe that he's going to do it. And this is what prayer is all about. When he gets you in a place where he can call you to himself, so you encounter him. All the days of Moses' journey with the people of Israel, there was a place, if you read Exodus 33, there was a place called the Tent of Meeting. And there, God told him, put the tent outside the camp, not where the people are. Your, there's a place that God wants in your life that's outside the purview of all your relationships and all your daily activities. Alone, secluded with him and him alone. That's the time of your person. That's the tent of your meeting. And if you read Exodus 33, it says, when Moses entered the tent, the cloud of glory descended on him and covered the tent. And Moses was in the tent and God spoke to him face to face. This is what God wants. He wants for you and me to come to the place where we can encounter him face to face. He's not a God who wants to hide. Isaiah 30, he speaks and says, no? Though the Lord has given you the bread of adversity, 29 and 30, and the water of affliction, yet your teacher shall not hide from you any longer, but your eyes shall see your teacher. 
He wants to reveal himself to you. The Father wants to reveal himself to you. When the disciples said, show us the Father, Jesus said, have you been with me so long and don't understand that, that when you have seen me, you have seen the Father. God wants to reveal himself. He wants us to have this encounter where we see him face to face. In, in the early days of my prayer, God used to come, the Spirit would come and in the night would touch me on my shoulder. Two o'clock in the morning, quarter to two, wake me up, come, come. I would hear the voice in my ears when I'm sleeping, come, come, get up, come into the other room. And I would go there and kneel down, fall on my, and I, there were no words to speak. He doesn't need my words. He doesn't need, what he wants is your heart. The place where he and our heart become one. The communication of prayer in this place of encounter, he wants to take it to the next level. From communication to communion. A oneness with him in heart, in mind. That's what prayer is all about. It's not just about coming to God and, and, and worshipping him, praising him, thanking him. That's the beginning part of it. But the deeper part is to come to this place where the communication ceases and I begin to allow him to become one with me. The resistance is always on my part, never on his. If you just look at the cross and you know, there was nothing that he held back to come to me and to you. He gave it all. So he's not going to hold back now when you come in prayer. But it is we who hold back. We who step back from him. And he wants to draw us into this tent of meeting so that we can encounter him and our life will become totally transformed. When we have this encounter, just look at Moses. What happened to him? He got a mission. He got transformed. And he was empty. Am I right? He got a mission. Go to, God said, I have heard the cry of my people in Egypt. I have come down to deliver them. And then God says something strange. I'm sending you. I have come down to deliver them and I'm sending you. The answer to today's problems in the world is you. There's no other answer. There's no other solution. You are alive for such a time as this. You are God's chosen answer to the situation and the problems of the world. There is no other answer. It's just you. The buck stops here. You and I are the answer to the problems of the world. If you and I are not going to take it up, nothing is going to be done. God is not going to come down from heaven to solve the problems. He said, I have sent you. I put my spirit in you. You go. Go. God is saying the same thing today that he told Moses. I have heard the cry, the problem that are there. I have come down. Now you go. You go. I'm giving you a mission. And God began to transform Moses. From the proud, arrogant man he was, he became the meekest man, it says. There was a transformation that took place after that encounter. It was an ongoing tra transformation. There was a mission given to him. And there was empowerment. Don't think you have no power. You have received the Holy Spirit. What are the talents that you have? He had just a stick. With that stick, he opened the Red Sea. He brought plagues upon the earth to destroy the greatest army in the world at that time. Just with one rod in his hand. What you have got is enough. Peter says, God has given us everything, all that we need for life and for godliness through the knowledge of him who saved us. 
2 Peter 1 verse 3 and 4. God has given us all, everything that we need to do the job. It's there in your hands. And he wants us to come to this place of encounter. Where, and it's, it's not just encounter, it's communion. It's communication which leads to a communion. Genesis says God made man in his image and likeness. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says, God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Verse 27 said, so God made man in his image and in his likeness. In the image of God, he made him male and female, he created them. In two verses, three times God says, I'm going to make man in my image. 26 he says it, 27 he does it. He doesn't wait around. He does it straight away. You and I, were Adam was made in the image of God. He fell from that image. You know, and uh, uh, Genesis 2 verse 7 says, God formed man from the dust of the earth. And so you know, man was like a little statue. I'm going to use this bottle. So man was like a little statue with a head and his whole body. And God... It says, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So I believe God gave him a kiss of life. And that breath, man became alive. And so Adam looked up. And the first thing Adam saw was the face of God. The first thing Adam saw when he came alive was the face of God. And I'm sure he went, who are you? And what do you think God answered? I'm your father. I'm Papa, I'm Daddy. And the next question, Adam must have said, who am I? What do you think God said? You're my son. And then what do you think Adam must have done? Daddy, oh, wow. You know, I love you. What does a child do when he meets his father? When Papa comes home from work, come, hug, kiss. Did you do it? I used to love to do it when my dad came home. Hide behind the door and he goes, ah! and then he would pick us up and hug us. That's what Adam did. He was God's son, made in the image of God. There was a communion with him. One in heart, one in mind, one in the words. God told him, name all the animals. How did Adam name all the animals? Not once did God say, oh, I think the, that name zebra is not correct. We'll change it. He spoke exactly what was in God's mind. And the Bible says, Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So every word that Adam named, all the creatures, all the living things, was in line with God's own heart. The communication of the heart, the oneness of heart, oneness of mind. And then the actions followed. He did exactly what his father wanted him to do. Isn't that what Jesus did also? John 5, 19, he says, the son does nothing except what he sees the father doing. And John 12, 49 and 50 says, I speak nothing of my own. I speak only what the father tells me to speak and I speak it how he tells me. And I was asking God, how do, how, how can we, I talk about what Brother Lincoln told me, 1, Thess 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. This is praying without ceasing. When the oneness of heart comes with the Father, our heart becomes like his. Out of the abundance of our heart, will our mouth speak. We'll speak the words that he wants us to speak. 
we will be thinking like him we will be acting like him so the place of encounter is drawing us to the place where the heart of god can become my heart the mind of god can become my mind my will gets submitted and the will of god begins to be replace my will and take over my life this is what prayer is all about this is what experiencing and encountering jesus encountering god in prayer means we need to to begin to get hungry for god i need to come to the place where i will see you face to face where i will feel your presence there uh, even you know um, about two months ago i i told you god the spirit used to come and wake me touch me on the shoulder get up get up and there were times i used to be so tired going to sleep at 11:30 12 and 2 10 to 2 in the morning voice would come on child get up get up come into the room sometimes i would not and i would feel a hand touching my shoulder and i would wake up i lost it i lost it for some years but then i 6 months ago i started crying for it god i i, I miss your touch you used to come and wake me in the morning to pray i want i want it i i want to come back i want to feel you calling me i want to feel that you are waiting for me i used to feel he's waiting for me there in the in the hall room i used to feel he's waiting for me there and i couldn't lift my head up from the floor because i would f- could feel his presence in the hall sitting on a ch- i used to keep a chain and i mean jesus that is for you and he used to come and say and i couldn't look into his face and now he started doing it again for the past month and a half two months he wakes me in the morning and now i've learned not to grumble i went to sleep at 12 o'clock 12:30 i i i'm excited when he wakes me up i wait lord i'm going to sleep wake me please wake me whatever time you want wake me i will get up i will come i i want to be there and it's 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 amazing to know that he is waiting for us to come to him to pray what does he want from me what does he want from you what can i give him i have nothing that i did not receive from him nothing nothing and i don't think any of us have anything to give him that we did not receive from him freely and all he wants is my heart nothing else all he wants is my heart to become one with his to restore me to that image of adam looking into his face and papa tara that image of jesus who does nothing except what he sees the father doing who speaks nothing except what he hears the father speak this is praying without ceasing our whole life becomes prayer because we are in communion not just communication with him we are in communion with him how many of you say psalm 91 every day for protection one two some of you say what does psalm 91 he who he who dwells dwells in the shelter of the most high what does it mean to dwell it means that's your permanent address that's your home that's where you live that's what he's calling us to today he's trying to tell us prayer is the doorway by which you come and begin to live in my presence i want you to live in my presence 
I'm going to close. Just two minutes more. Jesus, you know, in John 17, 23 and 24, he says, Father, I want these to be with me in my glory where I am. Where is Jesus? At the right hand of the Father. Right. In the morning I was asking, you know, yeah, Jesus, you are sitting at the right hand of the Father. So, Father asked me, why is he sitting at my right hand? I said, Father, because right hand means that is the place of glory, that is the place, the right hand is the power, authority, you have given everything to him. I said, yeah, that is all okay. You just, you're not understanding my heart. I said, no, tell me, Dad, why? What, why is Jesus at your right hand? And he asked me, where did Jesus come from? He came from you. Yeah, he says, and he reminded me of a scripture, John 1.18. You know, John 1.14 is, the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us, full of grace and truth. And we have beheld his glory, glory of the only son, begotten son of the father. And from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came from Jesus Christ. And then he says, no, no one has ever seen God, verse 18. God, the only son who is in the bosom of the father. He has made him known. So he said, you know what is the meaning of that word, bosom? I said, no. He said, look it up. So I looked up. In the Greek, it is called kulpos. It means five things. It means a connection with the neck, connection with the shoulder, connection with the chest, with the hip, chest or side, and hip, and thigh. So, okay, Lincoln can you come? Yeah. So, how can Lincoln and I join each other in these five places? Neck, shoulder, chest or side, hip and thigh. How can it happen? With a hug? No. I will show you. That was where Jesus came from. And Father said, I put him on my right side to make place for you. That place God has kept for you and for me. To come in our time of prayer. Boldly we can approach the throne of grace. Yes? Remember that scripture? Who is seated on the throne? The Father. And we come into his lap as his children. This is the encounter God wants to give us in our prayer time. This is something which he wants to restore to the church. The early church had it. This intimacy with Jesus, walking with Jesus. Such a close intimacy that your shadow will become dangerous to the enemy. How many of you would like this? That your shadow becomes dangerous to them. When you walk on the road, your shadow will heal people. Your presence will heal people. When you meet them on the street, you will pray with them, they will get healed. 
there is a lady I buy bananas from. I was telling Lincoln and Maria about this lady I buy bananas from, a Hindu woman. And some time back, she had, I came there one day to banana. I found her in the market sitting in Mapsa with a sling on her arm. She had broken her arm. And I went and bought my bananas. I said, oh, I'm so sorry, you know. I was going away, and the Lord told me, go back and pray for her. So I went back and I said, you know, uh, can I pray with you? And then I said, oh, yes, yes, pray, pray. I said, I want to pray. God will heal you. And uh, I said, but I am Christian. I will pray in Jesus' name. Said, wait, wait, wait. Magne, magne, kor, kor. In the market, I just put my hand on her, and I prayed, Jesus, heal her hand. After two or three days when I came, there was no sling. There was nothing on the hand. Her hand was healed. She had broken her hand, her shoulder, collarbone. Collarbone takes a long time to heal. Very, very long time. You and I are called from the place of intimacy. God wants us to, to live as his sons and daughters. Prayer, this is what prayer is all about. Experiencing Jesus, experiencing the Father, experiencing, encountering them in the secret place of your tent of meeting. You all want this? I've shared whatever God revealed to me about prayer, meaning so much more than just coming and praying, thanking, uh, praising him, giving him glory, worshipping him. There's more to it than that. It's the oneness of the heart that God wants from you and me. We are his children, not his servants, that he wants just adulation from us. He wants the love bond that is there between a father and child to be established. And that's why he gave us this gift called prayer. An invitation from God to come and encounter his love. Amen? Amen. So can we close our eyes? We'll pray. I, I felt God saying there are people who have some problem in the, the gums, the teeth. Uh, it was during the worship time. Uh, I don't know if there's anyone here who has that problem. But God wants to heal you of the infection that you have in the gums, in the teeth. We'll pray. Father, I just thank you for your word to us. You are so loving and gracious that everything that Jesus had, today you are telling us that you have, you have kept it for each one of us. That we have access to everything that you, even the position on your lap that Jesus enjoyed before the foundation of the world, you have kept that vacant. So that we can run into your arms, jump into your lap as you sit upon your throne and be embraced and, and smothered and engulfed by your amazing love. And in that love, be healed, be transformed, be, be given a vision and a mission and empowered, knowing who we are in relation to you, knowing whose we are, that we belong to you, that we can go with confidence, with authority, knowing where our home is, knowing who our father is. I ask that this word that you have spoken to us, that you begin to, to you guard this word, O oh Lord. Let it not be word that is, is sown on the, on the path that the enemy will come and rob. Let it not be word that is sown on the rock that springs up quickly and withers in times of trial and, and, and the pleasures of this world and tribulation. Let it not be word sown on the thorny ground where the tribulations and problems of life choke it. Let this word be sowed in good soil, the, our hearts, each of our hearts, deep within our heart, to bring forth fruit a hundredfold, that each one of us 
draw us to this place where we begin to get desperate to encounter you. And we have this baptism of fire that will, that will set Bangalore ablaze. A baptism of fire, Lord. I ask that you begin to, to, to give each one of these brothers and sisters here the hunger to be baptized with fire, with fire, that their whole lives explode with a passionate burning for you that, that touches everyone and everything that they come in contact with. Bless them. Let this group increase and multiply in their passion for you, in their numbers, in their, their growth level, and their love for you. Bless them, Father. Draw them, each one of them, beginning from tonight, beginning from the morning, draw each one of them to prayer with, with a new zeal and passion for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we'll just sing one hymn and then we'll wind up. Travel me with a melody, and you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. slave to fear, a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. You unravel me. Unravel me with the melody. Oh, you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. Come on, all the children sing. I'm no longer a slave to fear. What are you? I am a child of God. Declare it again. I am no longer. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. From my mother's womb. 
of my motherhood. That's when he chose you. You have chosen me. Your love has borne my name. I've been born again into your family. God, your blood flows through. Pray for me. Please pray for me and my ministry. For a one minute, brothers, you can be seated. 